Welcome to Practical Christian Living. The law could not make you righteous. The law couldn't get your sins forgiven. You could diagnose, I've got problems. I know that I'm not supposed to steal and I've stolen. Therefore, I got to do something about it. So you would take an animal and you would have that animal sacrificed. But the blood of the bulls and goats is going to say that here could only cover your sin. It was insufficient to remove your sin. What can wash away our sin? Not the law, not the sacrifices of the Old Testament, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the new covenant, which reminds us that Jesus, our high priest, came to fulfill the law so we could live not by a list of do's and don'ts, not in constant guilt because of all the horrible things we do and say, but in the forgiveness and grace made possible because Jesus offered himself as the only acceptable sacrifice. With more from Hebrews chapter 9, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary Tucson. It is only Jesus who entered in as the high priest into that tabernacle in heaven. And remember, there was an altar outside of the building we're talking about, the tabernacle building, and there was a wash basin out there. And the Bible talks about, in the book of Revelation, an altar in heaven as well. And I talked to the staff a little bit on Tuesday morning about, you know, wondering about this altar. Why is there an altar in heaven? An altar is a place where you sacrifice something. It's not a place that you go and kneel down to, by the way although they might have done that when they were giving sacrifices. But there's this altar in heaven because, well, someone brought up in the staff meeting, Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. I, I don't know all of the connections with that. It's something that I want to look into a little bit more when I have a little bit more time. But there is some interesting stuff here for further study, that you have this tabernacle not made with hands and Jesus entered into that heavenly tabernacle and he put his own and he applied his own blood, which is superior to the blood of bulls and goats, which could not perfect you. But Jesus's blood is for the remission of sins, for taking away our sins. So it says, verse 12 again, not of this creation, not of the blood of bulls and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. So the high priest here had to go in every year. But Jesus entered in once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That's for you and me. We've been purchased back. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer, the red heifer that cleansed things, sprinkled the unclean sacrifices for the purifying of the flesh, how much more can the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? There are places in the Bible where we're told that the Father was involved in the death of Jesus. There are places we're told that Jesus gave himself up on the cross. And now we're told that the Holy Spirit, that the, whole, the eternal Spirit offered himself, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit being God as well, without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. Moses was the mediator of the old covenant. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant that you and I are now under, which can remember last week, chapter eight, it says that Jesus can save to the uttermost. The old covenant was weak in that it couldn't save you. It could just deal with sin temporarily, but Jesus can save to the uttermost. 
It goes on to say then, by means of death. He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of his death. When he died on that cross, he was dying as our mediator, taking our place for death and entering into this new covenant, which no wonder the cup that we drink in communion is the cup of the new covenant. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. And so we take it together thinking of his death on the cross as he died for us, becoming that mediator for us. It says, by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So Jesus died there for all of those in the old covenant as well. So everybody that gets saved, gets saved by Jesus. Even though, you know, sometimes people will say, what about those who have never heard the gospel? Can, can they be saved? Well, do we have examples of that in the Bible? What about, what about Abraham? It's Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him righteousness, but he never knew the name of Jesus and never knew the sacrifice that would be made, but yet he was saved. And so when Jesus died, he died for all those who were under the old covenant as well. And by the way, all the Old Testament saints as well, they, had, they, didn't, they, they didn't hear the gospel like we talk about the gospel. We talk about the gospel being Jesus dying for our sins and making salvation available for us. And if we receive him and invite him in, we'll be saved. They didn't have any of that. They were saved as they believed God and trusted in him. And then Jesus died for them as well as for us. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men can be saved but the name Jesus Christ. So there, all the Old Testament saints had to come to faith through. There's no one that's going to be in heaven that did not come through Jesus Christ. The law can save no one. It goes on to say that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. That God's called us all that we would receive an eternal inheritance. God created us gave us life and gave us a choice so he could share everything he has with us. Jesus is the bride of the firstborn and we are co-inheritors with him and we gain everything. God has everything and he created you and me and if we would love him, commit ourselves to him, then he gives us everything. I often say that I'm persuaded we don't realize all that we have in Christ. We don't realize all we are in Christ. We don't realize everything Jesus has done for us. We're just happy to not die and burn for all eternity, right? We're like, just, I'm, I'm not there. But there's so much more that God has done for us that is absolutely amazing. So Jesus did all of this by dying to become our mediator and give us this inheritance. And then he talks about the necessity of this mediator dying. He says, for where there is a testament and when you, when you read that, where there's a testament, think of a will and testament. Where He's talking about inheritance now. He's moved to, in, to inheritance. And where there is a will and testament, there must also, of necessity, be the death of the testor. You guys, a lot of you are in a will. And if that person that you love, hopefully, passes away, their death makes that will active. There is a testament. There must be the death of the testor to make the inheritance come into place. So Jesus died on the cross and his death gave us our inheritance. 
He's the one who died and we were in his will and testament. And so we received everything by the will and testament of the death of Jesus on the cross. You can start to see if you're following me and I hope you are, you can start to see why I said in the very beginning how important this chapter is. It's an extremely important chapter that helps us to understand the richness of what was happening when Jesus died on that cross. It's so much more complex than we would ever think. It goes on to say in verse 17, for a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testor lives. You're in the will, but it's not yours at all until there's the death. So Jesus died so we could have an inheritance. Now that's something that I don't even know if I've ever heard a message on Jesus dying so that we could receive our inheritance. We are on his will, he died, and we have an inheritance because of that. Verse 18, therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. Blood was so important, blood, there's life in the blood. And the first covenant, they would go into the, the tabernacle and they would sprinkle blood inside of the tabernacle and that was to purify it. It needed to be purified. And when the tabernacle was purified, the land was purified. And so not even, you know, you couldn't do anything without blood. And then it goes on to say in verse 19, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all of the people saying this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. So there was a death for the old covenant as well but the death was a replacement of the animals. Verse 21 then likewise he sprinkled the blood both on the tabernacle and on the vessels of ministry and there's a better term than furniture right vessels of ministry and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So Jesus had to die. His blood had to be shed. He died as our substitute. Verse 23, therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. We learn that there is a better tabernacle than the earthly tabernacle, that there's a better covenant than the old covenant, that there is a better sacrifice than the old sacrifice. That's what we're learning. Now, don't forget why he's going into all of this stuff, because there were Hebrews, right? Books written to Hebrews who had become Christians and because of persecution were going back to the law. They were going back to Israel. There has always been some controversy within the church as to whether or not someone who is Jewish has to keep the law. And back in the time when the, when the temple was there, whether they had to keep the law. I believe that Hebrews makes it abundantly clear that they were not to keep the law, that it was fulfilled, that not one jot or tittle of it would pass away. And people will quote that by Jesus, but they don't do the rest of it until it is fulfilled. And Jesus became the fulfillment of the old covenant so that it is passed away. And that if they were trying to come to God through the law, there was a problem. Now when you, well, I don't know that I want to get into all that now. 
I'll run out of time. There's some other, there's some other stuff we could talk about within the book of Acts when you see the way that people interacted because the temple is around the whole time they're in Acts. The temple isn't destroyed yet all the way through the, the chapter 28. So we could talk about the way we see Paul and the rest of the disciples interacting with the law because we do see it in the book. But remember, it talked about those things fading away in the, at the end of the last chapter. The old covenant and all the things with it are fading away. Verse 24. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So Jesus stands before the Father for us. And there is this sanctuary, this heavenly tabernacle that is in heaven. We, when we go into heaven, we're going to see the altar. We're going to see this heavenly tabernacle. We're going to see where the blood was shed for us. We understand his death was for us to receive an internal inheritance. He goes on to say in verse 25, not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. So he's talking another way that the sacrifice of Jesus was superior was the fact that they had to go in every year and give the sacrifice. But Jesus did it once. Verse 26, he then would have had to suffer often since the foundations of the world. And again, there's an interesting statement there. He would have to suffer often since the foundations of the world and there's an altar that's up in heaven. But now, once the end of the age has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. At the end of the old covenant age, he appeared and offered the sacrifice for himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, and that's a verse we quote often, right? It's funny that we don't know the context of the verse, but we quote it often. It's appointed for men to die once. And probably because it's very personal to us. Wait a minute. I have an appointment with death. When is this appointment? Can I call heaven and change the appointment? God, I just don't really want to keep that appointment. I'd like to change it. Let me put it off a few years if possible. So it's very personal to us. But this is all in the context of the superiority of the new covenant because it's based on the heavenly tabernacle and not the earthly tabernacle, which is what the old covenant was based on. So as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. So the reason it tells us that we die once, which by the way, reincarnation is out of the picture now. There are some Christians who try to talk about reincarnation. We die once, and then after that comes judgment. Jesus gave his offering, and he died once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. The question, what are we supposed to be doing now while we're waiting for Jesus? Eagerly wait for him. Now that we understand that there is this tabernacle in heaven and these things were copies of those, we understand why there's 15 chapters in the book of Exodus on the tabernacle and also some stuff in Deuteronomy on the tabernacle. Now we understand that. But now we are to eagerly wait for him to return for us. We're to be ready. In Matthew 25, Jesus goes on with several different stories and analogies and types of what it means for us to wait for Jesus. That a wicked servant 
says my master's delaying is coming. We wait for him. We look for him. We are to be ready for his return to you and me. And so all of this is such a deep chapter, especially when it comes to the work of the new covenant, the superiority of the new covenant and his death on the cross for our inheritance that we're in his will and testament and he has died for us and we have gained everything. And when we get into heaven, no wonder he said to the, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter one, you have it all. He's getting ready to chew them all out for things they're doing that are wrong. And he's like, you guys have it all. We have everything. It's all ours. God created us because he wanted to share everything with us. God has it all. He is totally awesome. He is, is Lord most high. And he wants to share it all with you. You. Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing thing. And uh, we get a, a good understanding of why the old covenant had to pass away because we have a new mediator, a new covenant for the heavenly sanctuary, for the, the blood of Jesus that is superior to the blood of both bulls and goats, which could only cover sin and not take it away. All right, stand with me, would you? And let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the details that we find in this chapter and in the book of Hebrews that we could have a good, solid understanding that we are not under the law and that we could not live by the law and that those who endeavor today to interact with you by the old inferior covenant are making a mistake, that they need to come to you by the means of the reformation, by the new covenant that has been given. Thank you for revealing these things to us. I pray that we would be able to take these deep things into our lives. This is like the meat of the word of God and really grow and be strong with him. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a few minutes. I'm going to ask that no one would leave early. We're almost done. We'll dismiss you here shortly. The Bible tells us that, that we have been given eternal life to those who know him. And if you don't know him, then you're not given eternal life. You have to have a relationship with him. Jesus himself prayed uh, for those who would know him and the father in um, John 17, three. He says, this is eternal life, that you know the one true God and the son whom he sent. God wants to have that relationship with you. He wants to interact with you. Your creator, who is overall created you, wants to share everything with you. And you, and the way that we do that is by being born again in the spirit so that our spirit can interact with God. And we know him now. He, he gives us the ability to be able to know him and have a relationship with him. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus, you've never been born again. Maybe you think, well, I've grown up in church or I'm a pretty good person. I don't need to be born again. No, everyone needs to be born again. Every, otherwise you won't see the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said to a religious man who probably considered himself to be a good man. Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven, he told Nicodemus. A little bit later on, it was to Nicodemus that he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so today you can receive Jesus. You can invite him in. And this is very biblical. John 1, 12, as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God to those who believe in his name. 
So the way that you are born again is to receive him, to invite him in. And this is all your choice. There's no one forced into heaven. There's no one made to become a Christian. It's as you say, I want to live my life for Christ. So if you're here tonight and you want to give your life to Christ, then I'm going to ask you to do something simple right where you are. Just raise your hand. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. If you're online, you can respond as well. If you're listening on Reach Radio, you can respond too. And you can invite Jesus into your life. All right, so I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this prayer with me for the sake of those who are watching online. Believing that whether they're listening on the radio or watching online, that they gave their lives to Christ. And we're going to pray and lead them to Christ. Um, let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I've sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. But I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Welcome to the family of God, amen. Now listen, if you are online or listening on the radio and you gave your life to Christ, you can send us a text ready for Jesus to 94,000. The link you get back is our new believers card. Fill that card out and we'll have someone from the church get a hold of you and make sure that you get everything that you need and interact with you. You could also send us an email to saved at calvarytucson.com. Tell us your story. Tell us what God did in the email and we'll have people who will respond to you and help you to know what to do as you have made a commitment to Christ, all right? Now, um, I want to pray for you, but I'm going to ask you guys to pray for the people that you know that need the Lord to intervene. Whatever it is that God lays upon your heart for them, would you pray for them? Father, I want to pray for those that are watching, those who are listening, and those who are here. I pray that you would move in our lives. Draw us close to you. Help us to have an understanding and a desire like Jacob for spiritual things. That you would move in our lives. Lord, I pray you would deepen our walks and let there be a great passion in our hearts. I pray for those that need a healing touch. Lord, touch and heal now in the name of Jesus, we pray. I pray for those that are distraught, just feeling down, maybe depressed. Lord, you are God and we put our hope in you. And Lord, I pray that you would lift them up now and we remember that you said that you are close to those who are brokenhearted. And you are with us even until the end of the age. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. May you find yourself walking closer to Jesus this week than, than ever before. May there be a, an excitement about the things that God did for you personally as you surrender yourself to him, for he knew what you would do before the foundations of the world. God knows it all. And he gave you a choice and called you and even drew you that you could give your life to Christ. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse -verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. 
For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to dig deeper in your walk with God? Then you are a great fit for REACH College with enrollment opportunities. To attend as a student or an auditor, the courses challenge you to analyze your way of thinking as you grow in your walk with Jesus. Find out more at thereachcollege.org. That is thereachcollege.org.